1: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills.
0: There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com
1: slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all and live your best life. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I just listened back to this episode because I have to write the description and make edits for my producer and pull quotes and clips for promo. And I have to say, I'm pretty blown away. I think you guys are really going to get so much from this conversation. So I'm talking to Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar. He is a best selling author and lecturer. He taught two of the largest classes in Harvard University's history positive psychology and the psychology of leadership. And today, Tall consults and lectures around the world to executives in multinational corporations, the general public, and at risk populations. The topics he lectures on include leadership, happiness, education, innovation, ethics, self esteem, resilience, goal setting, and mindfulness. And his books have been translated into more than 25 languages and have appeared on best seller lists around the world. Tal is a serial entrepreneur and is most recently the co-founder and chief learning officer of Happiness Studies Academy. At the Happiness Studies Academy, they offer a Certificate in Happiness Studies, which is an online academic course created and delivered by Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar that provides the knowledge and the tools to generate happiness on the individual interpersonal, organizational, and national levels. In addition to English, it is offered in Chinese, Japanese, Spanish, Portuguese, and Hebrew. And I think after you listen to this interview, you will probably be inspired to look into it. His research and understanding of happiness is so compelling, and I just know everyone will benefit from this episode. So anyway, Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar obtained his PhD in organizational behavior and BA in philosophy and psychology from Harvard. He is super fascinated and he will help you understand how to experience happiness as a byproduct of pursuing other things. So enjoy the episode. All right. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to talk to you.
0: It's great to be here, Ariel. Thank you.
1: I have been kind of following your, your work ever since I heard you on Dax's podcast, Armchair Expert, which I'm sure a lot of people um, became familiar with you through that. And I'm just so looking forward to this conversation. So to start, why don't you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do?
0: So I'm a, a student and teacher of happiness. So I'm uh, I'm on this journey, have been on this journey for uh, 30 years looking for, uh, some answers, I guess, more questions that will lead me to a, to a happier life. And then sharing some of the questions and answers with others.
1: Why happiness? Yeah. You
0: know why happiness for, um, you know, it's, it's a personal question and a, and a universal question. You know, why happiness? Let me start with the universal. It's in our nature to pursue happiness. You know, um, Aristotle talked about how, you know, it's in our nature. Confucius talked about it. So, you know, we all want to be happier and we want those people we care about to, to be happier. Uh, on a more personal level, I became interested in, in studying happiness because of my own unhappiness. Uh, so it was, um, initially at least a very, very personal and, and a very desperate, I must say pursuit, you know, waking up every morning, uh, not being happy and not knowing why I wasn't happy. You know, I, I didn't have a good excuse for, for not being happy. And that's when I decided to pursue that as a, as, as an inquiry.
1: So throughout your years of research and um, I guess me-search, right? In this instance, have you found happiness?
0: Yes. So, um, you know, when, 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 when I tell people that I started off being unhappy, many ask me, okay, so 30 years later, are you finally
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: happy? And my answer to that is that I don't know how to answer this question. And the reason is, because I don't think there is a point uh, before which we're unhappy, after which we aren't happy. In other words, it's not a binary zero one. Instead, it's a continuum. Uh, specifically, it's, uh, it's a journey. And um, the, the answer to the question is that today, I'm happier than I was 30 years ago when I embarked on this journey. I certainly hope that five years from now or 10 years from now, I'll be happier than I am today. You know, it's a lifelong journey and it's, it's essentially a journey that ends when life ends.
1: Right. It's not a destination that you arrive at and then the work is done.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I must say at the beginning, I, I, I hoped it was, meaning I hoped that I would find, you know, the secret or the secret formula or the answer um, that, that would take me over that uh, barrier that is preventing me from being happy. But it, it just doesn't exist as mm-hmm. far as I know.
1: Mm-hmm. So before we dive into everything, how would you define happiness?
0: So of course, there are many definitions to happiness and you know, there's, I don't think there is one right only definition, but the definition that I propose is one that includes happiness as a multifaceted variable, specifically comprising of five elements. It's about spiritual well-being, Uh, which is about a sense of meaning and a sense of presence. It's about physical well-being, which is uh, about uh, nutrition and health in general and uh, sleep and uh, exercise. It's about um, intellectual well-being, which is about curiosity and about learning. It's about relational well-being, interpersonal well-being. And finally, it's about uh, emotional well-being, learning to deal with painful emotions, and cultivating pleasurable ones. And it's these five elements, spiritual, physical, intellectual, relational, and emotional, that make up the acronym SPIRE. Um, These are the five elements of happiness.
1: It's funny because when I listen to that, I think of what kind of the mainstream idea of happiness is, right? And it's kind of the opposite of all of those things. It's a lot of external things. It's a lot of financial success and professional success and these things that we strive for, right? So how does kind of our concept of happiness differ from those elements?
0: Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're spot on there. You know, in, in our culture, and, and I think this is the probably the greatest um, barrier to happiness, people believe that In order to be happy, you need to arrive somewhere, succeed in some way, attain something. So it's always about the accumulation or the accomplishment that will lead to happiness. And um, what we know, and and when I say we, we know it either through research, through personal experience, or we know it from research, uh, looking at data. These things don't lead to happiness. At best, they lead to a temporary high. You know, The reason why I felt so lost when I was... uh, uh, growing up and um, as, a, as a young adult, you know, I was, uh, in many ways, I checked the boxes, the boxes that, that, that I was uh, provided and was told that if I check them, then I'll be not just successful, but also happy. And, you know, for me, it was uh success in, in athletics. I was a professional squash player. Uh, so I thought if I win this championship or that championship, then I'll be happy. Then later on, it was, if I get into this college or that college, then I'll be happy. You know, and I checked that box. And then if you attain this profession or that professional success, then you'll, you'll make it. And I checked that box too. And not only was I not happier, I was actually more miserable as a result. Why? Because at least before I had the illusion that when I get there, then I'll be happy. But I got there and I realized that there was no there's there. And you know, the difference between sadness and depression is that depression is sadness without hope. So when I, you know, was, I, I lived under the illusion, at the le- very least, I had hope. When I was disillusioned, no hope. And, um, and that, that's when I decided to change the, the trajectory of, uh, of my, my career.
1: Mm-hmm. I can relate to that a lot because I got sober seven years ago. And when I first got sober, I mean, I'd run my life into the ground. And so I started over and I had nothing and I was really happy, but I thought that once I achieved certain goals, right? So financial goals, like I was talking about professional goals, personal goals with relationships and and all of these kind of external things, I thought that I would be happy. And a couple years into sobriety, I had all that. I had all the material stuff. I had... Um, more than I ever could have imagined, and I was miserable. And it was the hardest thing that I've ever experienced in my life, I think, because you're right. I, I did kind of have this hope and and then all that hope was kind of shattered when I got to that point. And for me, I had to enlarge my spiritual life, I guess. That's kind of the direction that I went and and find that sense of purpose and fulfillment that isn't an external thing. So what were some of the steps that you took when you arrived at that place? Yeah,
0: Ariel, I want to build on what you said, because I think it it, it is so important and specifically the, the your word choice there, you know, you said you, you had to enlarge, expand uh, the way you saw it and, and to, to the realm of spirituality.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, so many people uh, equate spirituality with uh, with religion and, uh, you know, in part they're right. You, you know, religion is certainly associated with spirituality. At the same time, you can find it um, elsewhere too. Mm -hmm. In fact, you can find it in literally, uh, in everything uh, that exists. You know, um, Henry Miller once said that um, even, you know, when we look at a blade of grass and we really look at it and we are really present to it, that in and of itself becomes a miracle, a spiritual experience. You know, Albert Einstein purportedly said once, uh, there are two ways to, to live our lives. One is as if nothing is a miracle. The other is as if everything is a miracle. You know, given that choice, you know, I know w- w- what I'd pick. And, and the way to experience everything as a miracle is um, to be present to it, to be mindful on it, uh, of it. And then it becomes spiritual. Because if you think about it, you know, the fact that we can hear each other now, or The fact that that we breathe, that we are alive, that that a a tree grows, I mean, it's Mm mind-boggling. And when you really look at it, again, uh, whether it's a blade of grass or or another person, it, it really becomes a spiritual experience. And this is the path to genuine, true, and in many ways, independent happiness, independent in the sense of not dependent on achieving that or reaching there. Now, does this mean that we can, we, we ought to, or even can walk around in, in bliss 24-7? I, I don't think so. Yeah, I know there are some um, scholars, some, some um, philosophies that argue that you can become enlightened and then be in that bliss all the time. I would beg to differ, at least from you know, personal experience and from what I know, uh, not just from research, but also from research. We all experience hardships. We all have difficulties. We know we all have times when not only do, not, do we not appreciate a blade of grass, you know, we, 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 we are struggling and suffering independent of that. So, um, but at the same time, if we spend a little bit more time in that realm of spirituality, a few more minutes a day, that in and of itself can make a big difference in how we experience our life as a whole.
1: I get asked all the time about what, if any, supplements I take. And I totally get this question. There are so many out there. They have such wild claims and it's really hard to navigate and know whether these supplements are even effective. So I have been using Ritual for a couple years. I love them for a few reasons. First, they have nine nutrients that help fill in the gaps in my diet. I really appreciate that they believe we get most of what we need from nutrients, but want to ensure that we are not lacking in anything at the end of the day. Also, they use the highest quality ingredients. They are all traceable, so you know exactly what you were putting in your body. They are really clean. There's no artificial colorants or fillers. They're vegan-friendly and gluten-free, and they have a minty flavor, so I'm not getting that weird supplement aftertaste. Ritual vitamins also have a delayed release, so I don't get nauseous when I take them. And this has always been a problem that I have with other supplements. And in the past, it's made it really hard for me to stick with any supplement routine because it's just not tolerable for me. With Ritual, I take them and I'm fine and actually I'm better than fine. I feel great and I have a minty taste in my mouth which is amazing. You deserve to know what's in your multivitamin. That's why Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first 3 months. Just visit ritual.com/blonde to start your ritual today. That's r i t u a l.com/b l o n d e for 10% off your first 3 months. We are living in challenging times right now and talk to any mental health expert and they will tell you that anxiety is at an all-time high. You know, I love to talk about ways to manage this and something that really helps me in addition to my lifestyle is NED CBD. NED is the highest quality full-spectrum CBD extracted from organically grown hemp plants, all sourced from an independent farm in Colorado. They have amazing products for all of your wellness and lifestyle needs, including CBD oil to help with anxiety, insomnia, stress, and inflammation. They have a sleep oil that is amazing, a natural cycles line that's made for women by women, and that includes a period survival kit that soothes bloating, cramping, and swelling, and eases inflammation and pain. This is major, and this might be TMI, but I've been having having horrendous cramps and had to take all kinds of over-the-counter painkillers, which just ends up upsetting my stomach. And it's just all very unpleasant. So I ordered more Ned for next month. I cannot wait. Another thing I love about Ned is that unlike other CBD companies, their products contain no isolates or synthetic ingredients. And you can be comfortable knowing you're getting the absolute best quality CBD with full transparency. They even share third-party lab reports on their site. Seriously, I'm always blown away by their integrity, the quality of their products and the attention to detail. So go check them out and see what I mean. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, I have a special offer for the podcast audience. Go to www.helloned.com blonde, that's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com B-L-O-N-D-E, or enter the code blonde at checkout for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. Again, that's helloned.com slash blonde for 15% off your first one-time order and 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. Creeps, cults, ghosts,
0: guys named Jerry. This is your one-stop shop. If you like all that weird shit, join me. I'm Casey Balsham. I'm a comedian and I am fascinated by dark, twisty, and shady ass shit. On the Shady Ship Podcast, we're going to cover all the topics ranging from living in a haunted house to dating app scammers, to Lizzie Borden, and everything in between. Every Friday, I'm going to break down well-known and little-known stories that are sure to induce just a bit of discomfort.
1: I am so looking forward to making your weeks just a little bit weirder. I think where a lot of people get stuck is how to both have goals for the future and also be in the present. I mean... There are different schools of thought, right? Do you believe that we can that we can kind of have both of those and and have things that we want to achieve and be proud of those achievements without, I guess, putting all of our eggs in that basket?
0: Yeah, no, I I love that question. So, um, you know, there are two leading school of thoughts in in this realm, as you pointed out. One of them is saying that happiness is contingent on um, on achievement on goal achievement, on getting there, on arriving at, uh, at the destination that we set ourselves. And if the goal, especially if it's a meaningful goal, an important goal for you, that is the path, the secret to happiness. Now, what do we know from, again, research and research from personal experience and from uh, data that we have, achieving goals doesn't lead to lasting happiness. You know, we know that, for example, uh, lottery winners initially, when they win the lottery, they think, you know, all their dreams have come true and will come true, and yeah, they're very happy for, you know, a month or three. Mm-hmm. Or people who get uh, this is research by uh, Daniel Gilbert from uh, from Harvard, uh, people who get tenured. Um, you know, this is something that they had been working for, you know, for for over a decade. You know, a dream come true. And they think they'll be happy for the rest of their lives. And they are happy for, you know, a month or three or people that have gotten their dream job or dream car. They're ecstatic initially or win the tournament, you know, elated for how long? Anywhere between an hour and, um, you know, in six months. And so this is, you know, this is what I've come to call the arrival fallacy, Mm -hmm you know, the, the, the mistake that we think that when we arrive, then we'll be happy, then we'll live happily ever after. Or when we meet the, you know, Mr. Miss Wright, then, then we'll be happy for the rest of our lives. No, it's an illusion. So that school of thoughts, unfortunately, wrong. Happiness is not um, a function of the goals we achieve. The other school of thoughts, the opposite approach say, forget the future. It's all about the present. It's all about being here and now. And when you can truly be present, when you can um, be in the here and now, that's when you will find the you know, nirvana, enlightenment, uh, real lasting happiness. There's a problem there as well. And the problem is human nature. Human nature dictates that we also care about the future, that we are also future-oriented, that having goals, achieving goals, ambition, these are all important elements of a full and fulfilling life. So we have downside and upside to both models. How do we reconcile them, as, as, as you pointed out? And the answer is by having goals as a means, not as an end. Because people who suffer from the arrival fallacy see goals as the end. When I get there, then I'll be happy. People who um, neglect goals, who are just talking about the here and now, well, they don't uh, have goals as means or as ends. What we need to see goals are as means specifically. I'll give you an, I'll, I'll start with an example. So last year, I had a conversation with my publisher who said to me that um, she wants to publish my book on 11th of May, 2021. That's the date she gave. And which was, you know, a stretch, uh, but it was also realistic. And I said, great. So I had a very clear future goal. And that future goal then allowed me to experience happiness in the here and now. Why? Because I would wake up every morning You know, for about eight months, every morning, and know that I'm writing a book. So I had a very clear goal. But while I was writing it, I wasn't thinking about the goal. I was in the here and now. I was present. I was experiencing the word of Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. I was experiencing flow, Mm -hmm. which is a, a state of peak performance and peak experience. So I was enjoying the present moment, living in the here and now, as the second school of thought said. While Having a goal is the first school of thought urges us to, to do. Mm-hmm. Having both, it's the long-term goal that liberated me to enjoy the here and now. And this is how these two worldviews actually meet. Have a goal, but the important thing is not achieving that goal. That will only lead to temporary happiness. The important thing is having that goal mm-hmm. and then working on whatever it is that you're working on in the present moment.
1: hmm So with goals inevitably come obstacles and setbacks. Um, And I've heard you talk about failure and failure getting a bad rap. And I think you listen to any successful, fulfilled, happy person, and they'll probably say that they learned more from their failures than from their successes. So can you talk about failure and obstacles?
0: Sure. No. so Ariel, I want to share with you just uh, something that I've been thinking about um, a lot recently which is the fact that we're, we're making real progress in, uh, in psychology. And to my mind, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, the real breakthrough, uh, and again, this is not just to my mind. I think ma- many people are thinking that. The real breakthrough will, will be when we're able to really you know, penetrate the a person's brain. And you know, for example, you know, if, if, and, and we'll be able to manipulate, the brain. So for example, if I'm experiencing sadness, we already know what a sad brain looks like. So the next stage, the next, you know, the, the 2.0 of this or 7.0 of it will be when we're able to enter a person's brain and actually manipulate and change that. So we can shut down the neurons that are associated with sadness and light up the neurons that are associated with joy. And um, you know, many people say, "Wow, you know, this would be great," and you know, I wouldn't feel this pain anymore and, and sadness anymore. And to my mind, that wouldn't be so great, because you know, if you asked a hundred people a very simple question, think back to a time when you learned the most, when you grew the most, the time that is you know are probably most responsible for who you are today, or for the best version of yourself. Ninety-nine out of hundred would reflect back on a time when they struggled. Now, imagine if we could go into a machine and actually prevent ourselves from struggling. So in the moment, you know, speaking of here and now versus the future, in the moment, that would feel great. And yeah, and you know, when, 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 when I go through difficult times, you know, like, like everyone else, I, I wish I wasn't going through that difficult time. It's painful. That's why it's difficult. Mm-hmm. However, Those painful times are important. Those struggles are meaningful. You know, the the psychologist, uh, the late psychologist, David Schnarch, talks about meaningful endurance. Even our language is is created that, you know, the word patience, the Latin root of the word patience is suffering. Mm. And not just in English, Spanish, okay, it's the same root. But also, you know, my mother tongue is Hebrew. In Hebrew, the, you know, in the Bible, patience and suffering come from the same root. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need patience if we are to grow. And that also means uh, suffering, unfortunately, no shortcuts. And, and, and you know, those advances in technology, you know, some of them, of course, are welcomed and important. But if we are to eliminate struggling, I don't think that would be good because we learn so much from failure. We learn so much from disappointment we learn so much from from struggles and mm-hmm. you know th- this has many implications and, and ramifications in, in so many different domains you know for instance with parenting there's research by sunia luthar um, originally from india now teaching at columbia university showing how so many privileged children are struggling and mm-hmm. suffering as teenagers and then throughout their lives why because their parents have always attempted to make things easy for them. Why? Because they could. And struggles are important. That's Mm -hmm. how how we grow stronger. You know, you go to the gym and you lift weights and it's on zero, i.e. no resistance. You don't get stronger. You need resistance. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, going back to my experience with sobriety, you know, I always thought that it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Initially, I did not want to be an alcoholic or an addict. I fought it. I was in denial for years, and when I finally got sober, you know, I can look back and see that as the best thing that ever happened to me, um, because it made me who I am today and gave me tools to deal with life on life's terms and and all of these things. And it also, I'm thinking about like the discussion around like altering genes and whether in the future making it so that you know somebody. Might, so that they can eliminate, you know, deafness or something like that. And, and you talk to somebody who's deaf and they say that, you know, they're grateful that they are not everybody, obviously, but there's that debate, right. About eliminating hardships and whether that is the right thing to do.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, the question here is of course, first of all, it's very personal. You know, mm-hmm. if there are some people, you know, who like you would say, well, the best thing that happened to me was, uh, was my struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other people would say, um, you know, I would, I would rather do away with that, with that struggle. You know, one mm-hmm. person would say, you know, I'm, 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 I'm so glad that I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with, um, you know, with work issues. Other people would say, well, I'd, I'd rather do without it. So, you know, it, it's very personal. Mm-hmm. So the second, it's also to what degree mm-hmm. is the struggle? You know, when we think, for example, about, I go back to, to, to children, children need to struggle. But does this mean that we need to have hands off completely, entirely? Of course not. You know, Maria Montessori said it, said it nicely. She said, don't help children where they can help themselves. So when they can deal with, a, with the struggle themselves, yeah, let, let them struggle. But sometimes they can't. Mm-hmm. So again, it's a, it's, it's a question of, uh, of degree. When do we help? When do we try to eliminate uh, the pain? When do we embrace it?
1: And so mm-hmm. on. One of the main questions that I got from listeners who sent in questions for you was how to cultivate happiness in those moments of struggle. And when you are experiencing obstacles and setbacks, and it's very hard to feel any kind of gratitude or happiness when you're kind of stuck in that place.
0: Yeah. You know, there's a beautiful poem by uh, Rumi, who's a a 13th century Sufi poet Mm -hmm. called, the guest house and in the guest house, Rumi talks about how we need to uh, welcome, invite, bring in all thoughts and all emotions, you know, bring them on in a sense, uh, is what he's saying. And his advice today has been uh, validated by, by a lot of research in this topic, by people like uh, Daniel Wagner, Viktor Frankl, and, and others showing how the foundation of, uh, of well being, of happiness, is first allowing in unhappiness. In other words, embracing, welcoming as guests those painful emotions. So, so, the first piece of advice, and again, this is advice that I give myself or my kids or, or clients or anyone else who, who cares to listen, is um, give yourself the permission to be human. Embrace any and all emotions. Why? Because when we reject emotions, these painful emotions intensify, they grow stronger. Mm-hmm. And paradoxically, it's when we allow ourselves to experience the full range of human emotions, that's when they do not overstay their welcome. They come in as guests and they leave as, uh, as guests. Mm-hmm. So the first thing, going through hardships, difficulties, accept it, embrace it, it's part of human nature. And again, there are no, no, no one is exempt from, uh, from these painful emotions.
1: I know a lot of you like myself have dealt with gut issues and food sensitivities and the struggle to find good satiating snacks, especially protein bars can be so real. So you probably know that I live for my go macro macro bars. I literally eat one every day. So I'm going to tell you why they're so amazing. I actually discovered them last summer when I was doing low FODMAP. They have seven certified low FODMAP flavors. They also have three nut free flavors, oatmeal, chocolate chip, maple, seeds salt, and sunflower butter. And all of the 15 Macro Bar flavors are made from high quality ingredients. They are all certified organic, vegan, kosher, non-GMO, soy-free, and gluten-free. I usually have the coconut, almond butter, and chocolate chip, the everlasting joy. It is out of this world good. I also love the peanut butter bar with homemade peanut butter chips. It is delectable. And another amazing thing is their effort to give back. So for the month of May, a percentage of net proceeds from the May sales of Go Macro's Peanut Butter Macro Bar will be donated to Farm Sanctuary. As one of the nation's largest animal sanctuaries, Farm Sanctuary has rescued thousands of animals and has cared for them at its sanctuaries in New York and California and remains committed to ending cruelty to farm animals by promoting compassionate vegan living through rescue Rescue, education, and advocacy efforts. So with each purchase of a peanut butter macro bar, you help support farm animal welfare protection and rescue. Join Go Macro in supporting Farm Sanctuary by going to gomacro.com, that's G-O-M-A-C-R-O, and use promo code BLONDEFILES, B-L-O-N-D-E-F-I-L-E-S for 30% off plus free shipping on all orders over $50. Sexual wellness is an often overlooked part of wellness, but it is so important. It is part of life and feeling turned on is more than a windup to sex. It's a way to feel more alive, to understand yourself, to unlock confidence and enhance intimacy. And Dipsy empowers you to tap into those feelings whenever you want. So Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. The stories are relatable, inclusive, feminist, and celebratory, and I like that they want people to hear themselves in their stories. They ground fantasy in reality and show all kinds of preferences and interests because they believe the most exciting, immersive stories are the ones that you can relate to. They release new content every week, so there's always more to explore no matter who you're into or what turns you on. And if you need to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. For listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash blonde. That's D-I-P-S-E-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S.com slash B-L-O-N-D-E. And again, that's for 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash blonde. We got so many listener questions. I love to give my audience access to guests that they might not otherwise have access to. So I want to get to some of those. Can we choose happiness?
0: Can we choose happiness? The answer is yes. And I will say even more that at every moment in our life, we have a choice where we can choose happiness. So Happiness to a great extent comprises uh, choices. It could be the big choices in our life and the little choices in our life. The big choices are, uh, you know, what uh, a career or a profession uh, do, do we pursue? You know, that, that, that's a big choice. It affects, you know, our nine to five at, at least. A big choice is um, the people we spend time with, whether it's friends, whether it's a partner, colleagues, we spend a lot of time with them and we know that emotions are contagious. So we're affected by, by other people. You know, that's a big choice. A big choice is the lifestyle that we choose. You know, do we choose to, to exercise regularly? Uh, What do we choose to, to consume nutrition, food? Um, So these are big choices, but there, and then there are also small choices. The smaller choices are at this moment, do I choose to be grateful or to appreciate my life? At this moment, do I choose to sit down, uh, to sit slumped down or to sit up erect? That makes a difference to our well-being. Uh, Do we choose to be nice and kind to the next person we meet? You know, small choices make a big difference, Mm -hmm. not only to their life, to our life. So our life comprises choices. The thing, though, about these choices is that many of them, not all, but many of them are rhetorical choices. What I mean by rhetorical choices is what I would mean by rhetorical questions. A rhetorical question is one where, where you, you have a, you know, an obvious answer to, where it's a no-brainer. Well, we also have rhetorical choices. You know, if I ask, you know, you know Ariel, tell me, do, um, do, do you want to choose to be grateful for the good things for, uh, in your life, for the nice people in your life, or do you want to take them for granted?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No-brainer yeah of course, I want to appreciate. You know, no one would no one would say, "I want to take the good things and the good people in my life for granted. And yet, right. most people, mm-hmm. most of the time take the good things and the nice people in their lives for granted. We have a rhetorical choice, obvious, and yet we choose incorrectly. But we don't make the right uh, the right choice most of the time. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Practically it means that we need reminders in our lives we need reminders that will guide us that will remind us to choose what we know is better for us how do we create those reminders you know you can wear a bracelet and the bracelet can be around your you know wrist to remind you to express gratitude on a regular basis or we can have a screensaver on our computer or a message in our smartphone reminding us to be present Mm -hmm. rather than distracted, or to be kind and generous rather than harsh and impatient. And these reminders can help us choose happiness Mm -hmm. more of the time. Doesn't mean we'll choose it all the time. Again, we're not perfect, but we can certainly all improve in that realm.
1: How can we change negative self-talk?
0: No, when it comes to negative self-talk, I I always think about the fact that if people heard what goes through our mind uh, at times, you know, God help us. We all have those voices. You know, I always say, you know, you're not abnormal. The normal (laughs) is to have those voices. We all have them. We all have negative self-talk. We all have things that, you know, we wouldn't want anyone else to know. And that's fine. That's again, part of our nature. The question is not whether or not we have it, We'll always have it. The question is, what do we do with it? And here, the advice that's thousands of of years old from a Buddhist thought is is sound advice. And again, today we have the research, psychologists have looked at it and showed uh, the value of it. How can we, when we have negative negative self-talk, simply take a step back and observe it? Observe it with what Mark Williams from um, Oxford University talks about Observe it with friendly curiosity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, not observe it judgmentally, not observe it, you know, chastising or criticizing ourselves or saying, you know, I wish that didn't, uh, This sentence didn't exist inside me. It does observe it with friendly curiosity. And when you observe it in that way, you're essentially taking a step back. You're becoming the observer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that's when it loses its hold on us. Because all it is, all it is, is a sentence. It's uh, what uh, Jeffrey Schwartz from um, UCLA calls a deceptive brain message. Mm-hmm. A deceptive brain message. And it's it's all about simply, you know, what, what, what he talks about, you know, faulty wiring in our brain. Dead. So it's not me. His book, by the way, is called You're Not Your Brain,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, which is a bu- uh, book... Uh, Arguably, the most important book ever written on uh, on psychological change. So, taking a step back, observing whatever that negative self talk is, and saying, "Oh, how interesting! Here, here it is again," and then choosing the most choosing choosing the most appropriate course of action. That's more important. So, I can, I can, for example. So let, let me make this personal. You know, for years I have really struggled and to some extent still do with public speaking because I'm a, I'm an extreme introvert and, you know, standing in front of an audience is, is stress inducing to the nth degree for me. Uh, and yet, and yet, um, I realized quite early on in, in my, my mid twenties that, uh, my personal mission is to be a teacher. You know, I come from a, a family of teachers and, and you know, and, and, and I really wanted to be a teacher. So I decided to go in front of an audience and and and, and speak. And I would look at that voice in my head saying, you know, you, you know, you can't do it. You're going to forget things. Um, uh, you're so nervous already. It hasn't even started and, and and on and on. And over the years, I've learned to just observe that voice and say, oh, how interesting. Here it is again. You know, last night I... I, I, I was uh, on a, on a webinar and there were many, uh, many participants and I got so nervous. And what I said when I was early, I would say, don't be nervous. But again, mm-hmm. the paradox is that when you reject painful emotions, they intensify.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: like saying, you know, don't think of an elephant. You think of right. an elephant.
1: What you resist um, persists. <laughs> what you,
0: exactly, exactly. And, um, and, and instead I said to him, wow, it's so interesting. You know, I've been teaching for th- almost 30 years. I still get nervous. Wow. It was interesting. That's all it is, and I still went ahead and and, and taught. So uh, observing the, the negative self talk with uh, with friendly curiosity, mm-hmm. and then choosing the appropriate course of action.
1: Right. I love that. Is making happiness your goal counterintuitive? Can it be mm-hmm. detrimental to your your emotional well being?
0: Yeah, such an important question. So this, this, um, this research by Iris uh, Moss, what she shows in her research is that people who, highly, uh, who put a high value on happiness, you know, who would wake up in the morning and say, you know, I really want to be happy. Happiness is, is, is important for me. These people actually end up being less happy. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they end up actually being lonelier. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. It's in fact, it's a very serious problem because, you know, on the one hand, we have research, a lot of research showing how important happiness is. You know, we have research showing that if you increase levels of happiness, you will uh, improve your relation, quality of your relationships. People who increase their levels of happiness become more creative, more innovative, more productive, physically healthier. They actually live longer. So, you know, on every variable, every dimension that you look at, happiness is good for us. Okay, so you tell me that. So, of course, I want to be happy. Of course, I'll wake up in the morning and say, I want to be uh, happier than than, than I am today. Again, no-brainer, rhetorical choice. But then Iris Moss comes with her research and many people report from personal experiences that actually that made them less happy. So, how do we resolve This uh, this contradiction, this problem. The way we resolve it is by pursuing happiness because it is important indirectly. Mm. And uh, let me use an analogy to explain this, uh, an analogy that helped me understand it better. Imagine sunlight. So let's say I'm outside, the sun is shining. Now sunlight is good; it's important, life giving. And I look at the sun directly. What will happen? I'll, I'll, I'll burn. You know, I won't be able to do it for long. My, you know, my, I'll, my eyes will start watering. So looking at the sun directly, problematic, does not lead to happiness. However, what if I take sun, the sun and break it, break, break this, the, 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 the sun rays through a prism, and then I get the colors of the rainbow, and then I can look directly at the colors of the rainbow and enjoy them. And looking at the colors of the rainbow directly is about looking at the sun indirectly. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with happiness. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Pursuing it directly, saying to myself, I'm going to be happy or I want to be happy, unhelpful, actually detrimental. But breaking down happiness into its elements and then pursuing those elements, that will lead to more happiness. Now, what are the elements of happiness? What we talked about at the beginning. That's why it's important to define happiness. The elements of happiness are spiritual well-being, physical well-being, intellectual, relational, and emotional well-being, the spire elements. So if I I get up in the morning and say to myself, I'm going to meditate now, which is about being present, that's spiritual well-being. And I do that, that will lead to more happiness. So that's spiritual well-being. Or I find a sense of meaning and purpose in life. Or if I uh, go out and exercise, that's pursuing happiness indirectly. Or if I learn new things all the time and I'm curious and I ask questions, that's cultivating intellectual well-being, that's pursuing happiness indirectly or or, or or spending time with my loved ones, working on my relation, investing in my relationships or expressing gratitude on a regular basis, emotional well-being. These are all indirect ways of pursuing happiness. Mm-hmm. And that's how we resolve that contradiction. Happiness is good, but pursuing it directly is not good.
1: Mm-hmm. So tell me about the Happiness Studies Academy and the certificate in happiness.
0: Yes, yeah, so um, my vision, my mission, my dream, my my goal what 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 keeps me up at night in a good way is um, uh, spreading happiness. And uh, towards that end, uh, I co-founded the Happiness Studies Academy. And what we do there is we bring together the you know the the latest and best research the ancient and modern wisdom on happiness uh, from philosophy, from, from religion, from literature, from film, from neuroscience, of course, from psychology and philosophy. We bring it all together and integrate it into a, a coherent and accessible uh, model. that then people can take and uh, and share with uh, with others. First of all, increase their own happiness levels and then help others do the same, others being their uh, partner or, or child or colleague or students or coachee or a client as, as a therapist. And um, so our goal is to, to make happiness uh, accessible to all. That's
1: and fantastic. We, have, um,
0: and we, we have a, a couple of programs or a few programs. One is a certificate in happiness studies, which is a year long program. We say it's a year long program, but actually it's a lifelong program because mm-hmm. happiness is a, mm-hmm. is a lifelong journey. And we have uh, students from uh, literally all over the world, from uh, almost every country and, and continent. And, uh, and it's great because we get together and, 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 and we learn about the research and then we learn from one another about applications. And we do a lot of research throughout uh, that year and, and beyond. And then we have a program for schools where we introduce it to first grade all the way up to 12th grade because we think um, that it's as important as studying mathematics and, and, and writing skills, learn to, to cultivate happiness and resilience. Mm-hmm. And finally, right now, we're in conversation with uh, with a, a number of universities for creating a master's degree in happiness studies.
1: That's incredible. And I feel like today... It's so important because I just think with social media, everybody is comparing themselves to other people and looking for those external sources of happiness like we were talking before. So it's, it's so important.
0: Yeah, it, you know, it is important. And also I think the, you know, the, the science of happiness has a very um, optimistic message for us that mm-hmm. it is possible
1: mm-hmm. to,
0: to cultivate happiness. And, um, and the fact that it's possible and accessible, gives us hope, even in the most difficult of times. Again, and the difference between sadness and depression is hope.
1: Right. I always like to ask my guests, what is one thing that we should probably stop doing today? And one thing we should start doing today?
0: One thing that we should stop doing today is being so harsh on ourselves.
1: Mm.
0: And uh, related to that, the thing that we should start doing today is appreciating uh, what we can uh, about ourselves and others. My favorite word in English is the word appreciate. Hmm. It, it has two meanings. The first meaning of the word appreciate is of course to say thank you for something. And, uh, and that's a nice thing to do. And it's a good thing to do. You know, most, you know, religions and philosophies advocated for appreciation, gratitude and, and so forth. But the second meaning of the word appreciate is also important. And that is to grow in value to grow in value and the two meanings of the word, you know, so for example, money in the bank appreciates or the economy appreciates in good times. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And the two meanings of the word appreciate are connected because when we appreciate the good in our life, the good in our life appreciates, we have more of it. Mm Uh, so whether it's appreciating ourselves, whether it's appreciating our partner, whether it's appreciating the miraculous world that's all around us and within us, uh, when we appreciate we'll, we'll have more of it, more good in the world.
1: Amazing. Well, I am inspired. I know everyone else is going to be also, where can everybody find you and find more information?
0: Thank you. So, um, we're on, um, Happiness Studies, one word that's with three S's happinessstudies.academy. And there you can find information about uh, uh, lectures and, and webinars, uh, as well as our longer programs.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much again.
0: Thank you, Ariel.